I'm Steve Eubanks with Benny Eubanks Cattle in Tig, Texas. You're listening to the latest news in Texas agriculture on Texas Ag Today. Welcome to Texas Ag Today, a daily look at the latest news in Texas agriculture. Texas Ag Today is produced by the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network with the largest farm news team in the Lone Star State. Now here's the host of Texas Ag Today, Carrie Martin. Hello, Texas. We have got another week rolling, and we've got another episode rolling for you of Texas Ag Today. So jump on in with me and buckle up. We're going to take a ride around the Lone Star State as we cover the most important industry in this greatest state in the nation, Texas agriculture. In the news today, the Texas Cattle Feeders Annual Convention is underway in the DFW Metroplex. We'll have more from the convention coming up to kick off today's show. My name is Kerry Martin. I'm your host along with the largest and most experienced farm news team in the Lone Star State. And we're all standing by to bring you the latest news in Texas agriculture. From the Piney Woods of East Texas to the Rocky Ranges of the Trans-Pecos and from the Panhandle down to the Rio Grande Valley. We've been hearing for years about a possible link between the use of antibiotics to treat livestock and the development of human resistance to antibiotics. I'm James Hunt, and coming up on Texas Ag Today, we'll hear some news on that issue from a Texas High Plains researcher. People need to research markets for the sale of locally homegrown produce, including vegetables, fruits, and nuts. I'm Tom Nicoletti, and I'll have a report on farm-to-table locally produced food on Texas Ag Today. This is James Duncan reporting from Marshall, and we are looking at a lot of meetings coming up that are going to be mighty important for you to concerning your forage quality and tending to your livestock through the fall and winter seasons that we'll face. We'll have those stories plus Texas wildlife news and a complete look at the markets all coming up. Cattle feeders from all over Texas, Oklahoma, and New Mexico are in the DFW Metroplex for the Texas Cattle Feeders Association's annual convention. TCFA's Brady Miller. First and foremost, we want to inform our members. We want to give them as much information as we can on the issues that are affecting us and the opportunities that we see moving forward. But also just to have some fun speakers as well. Uh, We know it's always not all about business, but we got to have some fun as well. One of those fun speakers is former Dallas Cowboy running back Emmett Smith. While on the business side, they have NCBA CEO and Texas native Colin Woodall and Dan Hallstrom with the U.S. Meat Export Federation. They'll also be handling legislative matters as well during the convention. One of the other main tasks that we have here at TCFA, and that is our PAC. As I mentioned, NCBA and Colin Woodall and what's going on in D.C., we fight those same issues. Uh, If it's not D.C., then it's in Austin. And so a lot of our convention is kind of based around our PAC, and trying to raise money uh, for PAC so that way TCFA can go out and do good work on behalf of our members. We'll have more coverage from the Texas Cattle Feeders Convention throughout this week. The annual Southwest Dairy Day was held last week in Scotland, Texas, just south of Wichita Falls. 
The event attracted around 500 people, according to event coordinator Jennifer Spencer, Texas A&M AgriLife Dairy Specialist in Stephenville. So we put this on annually because uh, we'd like to highlight special things about the dairymen in the state of Texas. So some of the new technologies, some of the new management strategies that they're doing and not only show other producers what technologies are available, but also educate the community on dairy and the dairy industry. The highlight of this year's Dairy Day featured robotic milking. Yes, they're very fascinating. And we also showed off some of the precision technologies like the rumination collars or the pedometers that check, you know, the amount of times that they're chewing or the number of steps that they're taking and can indicate, you know, how much they're resting. Um, But the robotic milking machines, they actually go into the robotic milker and then the robot attaches the milking unit once they're milked out, they're allowed to leave. Robotic milking systems have been around for a while, but they've only been here in Texas for a few years. There are only five robotic dairies in the state. A High Plains researcher shares some news about antibiotic resistance. James Hunt has the story from Amarillo. For quite a few years now, science has conducted research into possible links between the use of antibiotics to treat livestock and human resistance to those same antibiotics. One theory being that people can perhaps acquire a resistance to certain medicines by eating meat. Well, I've just had an interesting conversation with Dr. Paul Morley, the Director of Research for the Texas A&M System's Vero Program, which is headquartered at West Texas A&M University in Canyon. Dr. Morley told me about an ongoing study on this antibiotics issue. We had a dietary study in people where for three weeks they had a prescribed diet that had high levels of beef intake. And the beef products that they consumed in one part of the trial were from conventionally labeled products. So there was no guarantee that they had or had not had any antibiotics. And then in the other part of it, they ate products that had uh, a beef label that which guaranteed that the animals were raised without antibiotic exposure. So like an organic or uh, a natural label on there. And so we're in the early stage of analyzing these data, but it looks like there's no difference in the resistance in their stool, right? Uh, As well as no difference in the beef products and looking at antibiotic resistance in those products. So you may pay twice as much for beef products to say they were raised without antibiotics and have no impact on the likelihood of developing or being exposed to resistant bacteria. An interesting twist there for sure on a very important issue. We look forward to hearing more about this still ongoing study which is funded by the National Cattlemen's Beef Association. And coming up on our program tomorrow, we'll hear more about the research efforts of Dr. Paul Morley and the Vero program at West Texas A&M. I'm James Hunt on the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. Texas produce growers provide a wide variety of foods that go straight from the farm to your table. Tom Nicoletti has more. My guest today is horticulturist John Begno from San Angelo. And John, today our subject is farm-to-table produce, vegetables, fruits, and nuts that uh, farmers grow across the state and the nation for that matter. And while this is certainly not a new concept of agricultural production, these folks who do produce these products uh, certainly have to have their market research 
Correct, Tom. You're exactly right. And Farms to Table might seem like a new movement, but just as you mentioned, it's sort of how originally we started as early settlers raising vegetables and fruits and nuts for market locally. That was the way we did it. Well, now, because of research that indicates that we might be getting fresher fruit or higher nutrition fruit, all of these things may play into the reason that we might want locally raised fruits and vegetables. And for those people considering to do the actual farming, it does doesn't just start with going out there, plowing the ground and throwing seeds down. It really starts with research on marketing and whether you're going to put it at a farmer's market, you have a restaurant that you're going to sell to, roadside stand, or even online. Whatever you're going to do, you need to kind of have an idea how are you going to sell this product. And then you kind of get into what should I grow? Why would we want to grow corn necessarily if they can buy corn? That's good. So you'll want to do a little research on what you want to grow as well. Food banks are always in need of fresh vegetables. And it's a great community service project for youth. And we see 4-H clubs and we see some community gardens around and that's their whole idea is to learn how to grow these vegetables and these fruits and these nuts and then share them with the community. That is horticulturist John Begno in San Angelo talking about farm to table vegetables, fruits and nuts for local markets. I'm Tom Nicoletti with the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. Some important farm meetings are coming up for East Texas farmers. James Duncan has an update from Marshall. In the area of East Texas, as we visit around and talk to people nowadays, they they got several things on their mind. One thing is that if there is a meeting in your area concerning forage quality and how to utilize it and get the most out of it, you need to be in attendance at that program. Why? They're going to give you some advice. Sometimes you can't tell some folks anything, but they'll give you advice on how best to utilize the low quality forage that we're going to have this year. We know that's a fact. So you got to take care of those mama cows. You'll get better calf crop. You'll have heavier calves when they come off in the spring to wean. So pay attention to what the forage tests tell you about your forage and then what the experts tell us to use to keep the energy up in the livestock. I have visited all over this area of East Texas, about six counties right around me here, Harrison, Marion, Cass, Greg, Upshur, all those counties, every producer I talk to just about say deer season is going to be the salvation for some of us this year because we got a lot of folk from the big city that want to hunt our timberland and we're going to be doing day leasing of our ranches to upgrade our income possibilities. So it looks good. That's just a few weeks off. Actually, the first Saturday in November is the first day of deer season. So we're looking forward to that. Also, we had that moisture recently. And it gave us just enough wet in the dirt to get some seed planted for some winter pasturing. We're now overseeding some of the short grazed off pastures that we have. This is all going to work to our benefit. This is James Duncan from East Texas reporting for Texas Ag Today. If you plan on hunting deer, nilgai, or exotics in the lower Rio Grande Valley this year, you'll need to take an extra step before leaving the area with your game. I'm Jessica Dolmel, and I'll explain coming up on Texas Ag Today. And Halloween is coming up in a few days, but it can be dangerous for pets. Texas veterinarian Dr. Bob Judd has more on that coming up next, right here on Texas Ag Today.
When we moved to Texas, we were like fish out of water. We didn't know anyone in our neighborhood until our Texas Farm Bureau insurance agent came to the house. She was so helpful and reassuring, a friendly face with that Texan hospitality I'd heard about. When we purchased a Texas Farm Bureau insurance policy, we knew we were making the right choice. We knew our family would be protected. Visit Texas Farm Bureau Insurance today at tfbinsurance.com to find an insurance agent who's a true neighbor. Coverage and discounts are subject to qualifications and policy terms and may vary by situation. We're keeping you informed on everything happening in Texas agriculture on Texas Ag Today. Halloween is coming up in a few days, but it can be a dangerous holiday for pets. Dr. Bob Judd tells why. The ASPCA Poison Control Center indicates they are flooded with calls around Halloween and many are related to ingestion of candy. We all know chocolate is poisonous to dogs, but cases of chocolate exposure still commonly occur. Milk chocolate is the least poisonous and the most common chocolate ingested. But there are other forms of chocolate that are more poisonous and are commonly used in baking this time of year. Most chocolate ingestion is due to leaving bags of candy on the coffee table, but there are other ingredients in candy that can cause toxicity in dogs, especially xylitol. Xylitol is an ingredient that leads to low blood sugar and, like chocolate, can be extremely serious and even deadly. So be sure and lock your candy in a cupboard and do not let the kids take candy to their rooms as this is where a lot of exposure occurs. Lots of kids use glow sticks to light their way while trick-or-treating. And if cats or dogs ingest the glow strips, you can expect animals to drool out of their mouths and race around the house due to the weird taste. If you take your dogs trick-or-treating, make sure they are identified preferably by a microchip. Lots of pets are not familiar with these strange costumes and may be afraid and cause them to bolt away from their owners, and they are always difficult to find at night. A reflective collar can help, and just make sure your pet is on a good leash. Lastly, some pets are afraid of the costumes as kids come to your door for trick-or-treating. The best idea is to lock your pets in a specific room during the trick-or-treating period. I'm veterinarian Dr. Bob Judd. This is the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. If you are planning on hunting deer or exotics in the lower Rio Grande Valley this year, you'll need to take an extra step before leaving the area with your game. Jessica Domel tells why in today's Wildlife Report. If you plan on hunting white-tailed deer, nilgai, antelope, black buck, axis deer, or other exotics in the lower Rio Grande Valley this year, you may be required to have your game inspected before you leave the area where you're hunting. Portions of Valverde, Kinney, Maverick, Webb, Cameron, Hildago, Star, Willacy, and Zapata counties have established cattle fever tick quarantines. In those areas, hunters are required to have their game inspected and treated to help prevent the spread of cattle fever ticks to unaffected areas of the state. Eli Benavidez, Supervising Inspector for the TAHC Willacy County Fever Tick Response Office, says hunters play an important role in protecting the rest of the state and the nation. If an animal leaves a quarantine area, say for example, a white-tailed deer leaves a quarantine area without being inspected and treated and it's got cattle fever ticks, you know, that animal can be moved hundreds of miles in the matter of hours, way outside of any surveillance areas that we may have. And that one animal that hide gets disposed of in a pasture with cattle or with other white-tailed deer outside of any surveillance that we may have, a major outbreak can occur based on one animal being moved out of a quarantine area. Cattle fever ticks are a significant threat to the U.S. cattle industry. 
The ticks are capable of carrying microscopic parasites that attack organisms and destroy red blood cells, causing acute anemia, high fever, and ultimately leading to the death of up to 90% of susceptible naive cattle. That's why it's so important for hunters in these areas to remember to get their game inspected. We'll have more on this on our next show. Until then, the phone numbers to request inspections in those counties are available on the TAHC website. For the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, I'm Jessica Domel. It's time to take a look at the markets. Jessica will be back with a complete look at the livestock, cotton, grain, energy, and financial markets coming up next. Keep it right here on Texas Ag Today. And we're back looking at another lopsided matchup, Jim. Today we have a combine taking on a train. Yeah, that heavy train is about a thousand times heavier than the combine. No competition there. Right, especially given that it'll take at least a mile to stop that train. That's 18 football fields. It's no contest. Every day people are injured or killed trying to beat a train at rail crossings. See tracks, think train. This message brought to you by Operation Lifesaver. We're giving you the market information you need on Texas Ag Today. The cattle complex rallied Monday afternoon on strong domestic and international demand. Trade was also supported by a report from the U.S. Department of Agriculture on Friday that revealed the number of U.S. cattle on feed was down 1% from the same time last year. October live cattle up $1.12 to $151.60. December live cattle up $1.70 to $154.12. February live cattle up $1.45 to $156.97. Feeder cattle were also supported by a decline in corn futures on Monday. October feeder cattle up 40 cents to $175.67. November feeder cattle up 80 cents to $179.15. January feeder cattle up $1.57 to $181.95. Box beef was higher Monday. Choice up $3.69 to $257.40. Select up $3.52 to $227.88. Now let's take a look at those livestock auctions. We're walking the pens with Larry Marble. When you hear auctioneer Troy selling that calf, it's time to head to Lockhart and talk to Madison Bexley about the sale she had on Thursday. Madison, good morning to you. Good morning, Larry. How was the Thursday sale in Lockhart? We had a good day. We ended up with fifteen fifty-nine with 382 cows and 33 bulls, 203 sellers, and we had 94 buyers this week. Walk the good pins. Day. Good. Walk the pins with us. On the stocker cows, we got along real good. Uh, the good pairs brought from 11 to 14.75. The mediocre and middle-aged pairs from 8 to 10.50. The planer in and the longhorn pairs from 3.50 to 7.50. The good bred cows from 8.75 to 12 and a quarter. The mediocre middle-aged and shortbred cows from 500 to 8.50. The Longhorn and the Planter cows from 250 to 475. Hacker cows and bulls would have been about steady with a week ago. The good high yielding cows from 62 to 75. Medium yielding cows from 50 to 61. The low yielding and lightweight cows from 17 to 49. 
The good high yield and backer bulls from 90 to 99. Medium yield and backer bulls from 80 to 89. Low yield and lightweight bulls from 60 to 79. And the cows in Ireland still pretty much steady with a week ago on a good active market. Um, we had a lot of demand for the sure enough good quality cattle. So all in all, it's a pretty good day. Tell everybody how to get a hold of you for the regular Thursday sale in Lockhart, Madison. Yeah, Larry, uh, you can always check us out on Facebook or you can call the barn at 512-398-3476. My cell phone at 979-540-9793. Or you can ring Bubba at 512-461-6091. We appreciate you. Thank you. Thank you, sir. And neighbor, thanks to you for listening. I'm Larry Marble. You're doing so on the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network and our program Walking the Pins. You know, I like this so much. I think I'll do it again tomorrow. See you then. Despite good demand, lean hogs closed lower on Monday. December lean hogs were down $1.20 to $87.92. February lean hogs were down $0.07 cents to $90.45. Both block and barrel cheese ended up at the same price point on Monday, $2.06. To get to that point, block cheese rose a quarter of a cent. Barrel cheese fell $0.03. Cents. Butter fell a cent to $3.19. October Class 3 milk was down 2 cents to 21.80 a hundred weight. November Class 3 milk was up 5 cents to 21.19 a hundred weight. Cotton was sharply lower to limit down Monday on recession fears and the ongoing cotton harvest in the United States. December cotton down 300 points to 76.13. March cotton down 281 points to 75.74. December cotton down 167 points to 72.90. Corn fell today as the harvest of the crop in the United States surpassed the halfway point and on a poor weekly export report from last week. December corn down two and three quarters to 681 and a half. March corn down two and three quarters to 687 and three quarters. September corn down one and a half to 635 and a half. December hard red wheat was down 10 and a quarter Monday to 938. March hard red wheat down 9 and a half to 937. November natural gas rose 26 cents Monday to 522. December natural gas up 30 cents to 577. December crude oil fell 41 cents to 84.64 a barrel. January crude oil down 31 cents to 83.64 a barrel. Now let's take a look at our financial markets. The Dow was up 472 points Monday to 31,555. The S&P 500 rose 47 points to 3,800. The Nasdaq rose 77 points to 10,937. Well, that wraps up our look at the markets, and that wraps up this edition of Texas Ag Today. Be sure to join us next time for the latest news in Texas agriculture. I'm Jessica Domel, and I hope to see you then. Thanks for listening to Texas Ag Today. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or Spotify. For more Texas Ag news and information, check out our website, at texasfarmbureau.org or tfbradio.com. Texas Ag Today is a production of the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network.